Now, today as we get into our Bible reading, what I want to do is I want to make this point. I want to tell you that um, no matter what you've done in life, no matter where you are, uh, you're never so lost in life that you can't be found by God. You're never so lost that you can't be found by God. And to help us with that, I'm going to invite Ross, who's going to come and read for us a story from the Bible. This is a parable that Jesus told that we, it's called the lost son. And uh, I figured it's a, it's a lengthy story, and you're going to get bored of my voice as it is, and Ross has a lovely voice. So we're going to hear Ross. Let's give it up for Ross. <laughs> uh, we're reading the parable of the prodigal son. That's Luke 15, verse 11. Um, and he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish with the hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and a ring for his hand and shoes for his feet, and bring a fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for this is my son who was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now the older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed a fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and begged him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, and um, you killed a fattened calf for him, and he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and I will, um, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this is your brother, was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the story of the, the lost son, as it's come to be known. Jesus said that there was a man who had two sons. And that's what I want to look at, is the man and the two sons. There was a younger son, an older son, and then the man, the father. Now the younger son, um, he was, well, what can we learn about him? Uh, he was selfish. 
essentially said to his dad, I don't want to wait till you die before I get my inheritance, so give it to me now, please, because I want to go spend it. Um, he kind of looked at his dad and thought, well, you're, you're kind of still looking youthful and healthy, and I, I want some money, uh, so we've got to work out an arrangement here. So took the money from his father, went and spent it for himself, selfish, didn't care about his dad, did whatever he wanted. Actually, he caused his father a lot of pain in doing that. Uh, he would have brought a lot of shame on his father. His father would have been known as the man whose son asked for his inheritance early. He would have become known as the man whose son wished him dead, essentially. But the younger son didn't seem to care. He just took it anyway. He went off to spend the money however he wanted. He did whatever he could that he thought would bring him satisfaction and pleasure in life. It's kind of typical hedonism, isn't it? Hedonism means the pursuit of pleasure. And he thought, whatever my eye desires, whatever I want, I will have that. I'll go after that. As It's easy to look at him and go, he looks lost, doesn't he? He looks lost. He's just doing whatever he wants, satisfying his every appetite. And some of us know what it's like to be in that position. Some of us are still in that position, perhaps, where we might be saying, I don't care what God says about how I should live. I don't care even about what my family says. I want to live however I think I should live. I know best. I'll have what I want, thank you. And we go and we do what we want. And some of us are still in that position and still living like that. Whatever the culture says will bring me ultimate satisfaction or pleasure or meaning. That's what I'll give myself to, we might think. I want that. I'll go after that. So he does. And it's easy to think, oh, he's the lost son. He's the lost son. And he was. He he came to his senses. He realized he was hungry. He was broke. He was poor. And he was sorry. The younger son tried life his way. He did it my way. And it didn't work out so well for him. So he concluded, I need to to go back home. Prepares an apology speech and returns home. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you've had to not just eat humble pie and apologize for something, but you've had to basically admit, I thought I knew best, but I really don't know how to live my life. I thought I could run my life my way and be completely happy, but I was wrong. That's a hard journey to come to that realization and then to do something about it. You know, many of us are aware of things that we need to perhaps fix in our lives, but it's one thing to identify, I must get fit, I must get healthy, I must lose weight, I must, I must. It's one thing to identify the need, it's another thing entirely to do something about it. But the younger son does something. He comes home, he apologizes. And, uh, and as I said, that's a difficult journey to make. Um, some of you have made that journey, and we love having you here. Um, that journey, I remember it as a young man, um, having gone away from church and decided I can do life my way. I remember that journey of realizing, I'm, I'm going to come back to God. And that very first prayer when I had to say, um, hello, God, <laughs> me again. Uh, we used to talk. <laughs> I tried things my way, but I, uh, can I come home? Can I come home? It's a hard prayer to pray. And, uh, and it's a hard distance to go, to come back to a church community when you've decided I can do it my way. And actually, I just want to speak to us in the church here. Uh, when people return after being away, for whatever reason, we as a church community need to do all that we can to model to them the Father's attitude. If The church is often called the body of Christ. 
And in that sense, you are, we are, the physical representation of Jesus to people. So when people arrive off the streets or from wherever, we as the body, the physical representation of God, need to do all that we can to give anyone, whoever it is, the kind of welcome that they deserve and that God, as we see in this story, would want to give them. That's just a a word to us in the church. Um, Now, my guess is that in a room like this, there's not loads of us who would say, I'm a younger brother, I'm a rebel right now, because let's be honest, the real rebels are out rebelling, doing whatever they want. They're not going to be in a church, I'm not going to go to church unless you pay me, or hire an inflatable, or put some volleyball on. I'm not going to go to church unless you give me lots of cake, or whatever. Let's be honest, most people wouldn't. They're out there maybe, they're out there maybe, maybe, maybe. See, in this room, my assumption is that there's probably more older brothers than there are younger brothers. See, the younger brother was lost, but he knew he was lost, and he said sorry, and he came home. And he learned that you're never so lost in life that you can't be found by God. He comes home, and his father comes to meet him. But there's another son. Often in churches and as preachers, we love to talk about the younger son. It's this beautiful picture of God's grace towards him, who, the rebel who's gone astray and made a mess of his life. It's a wonderful picture of how God feels about the lost, the broken, the hurting. But we sometimes stop the story too early. And actually, Jesus said there was a man who had two sons. So I want us to look at the older brother for a moment and just see what we can learn about him. Well, positively, we can say that the older brother wasn't like the younger brother. Um, he, He didn't squander his father's wealth. He didn't offend and shame his father in the way that the younger brother had. He wasn't the younger brother. And actually, for him and for many of us, our identity can get defined negatively like that. I'm not like them. That's who I am. If you want to know what I'm like, I'm not like them. I'm like them, except good, better, nice. So the older brother was the good, the better, the nice, if you like, version of the younger brother. He doesn't run off. He is responsible. He's not reckless. He's faithful to his father. He's good. You know, we might find lots of younger brothers in the nightclubs and parties in the town, but we find a lot of older brothers in churches all over the country, people who are good, respectable types, you'd think, perhaps. That's perhaps stating the older brother positively, what he's done right, but negatively, the older brother, he'd done a lot of things wrong as well. And actually, at the end of the story, the older brother is the, the one out of the two who remains lost. That's the tragedy here. Um, the older brother, you see, he really should have gone after the younger brother for one. His little brother runs off into the world, makes a mess of his life, and the older brother lets him go. I'm not like him. I'll let him go. Now, I always tell Riley, my eldest son, I say, older brothers have two jobs in life. Number one, you take Zach on adventures, and number two, you look after him. Number two is more important than number one. If you have to choose, do number two. Look after him. An older brother's job is to look after the younger brother. The older brother here didn't do that. So when the father is caused this social scandal and shame by the son leaving, the older brother just lets it happen, just allows for it. Because you see, the worse he is, the better he looks. And that serves him quite nicely, perhaps. The only thing we... Well, yeah, the only thing that we hear him say, or when he finally speaks to his father and gives his speech at the end of the parable, 
in verse 29, uh, I have it on the screen here, he says this, uh, look these many years, I have served you. I never disobeyed your command. You've never sacrificed a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. The older brother is just as selfish and self-centered and concerned with his own morality as the younger brother is perhaps concerned with his, I don't know, recklessness. The older brother wants his rights. This son, the younger one, has just come home. He's given up for dead and he comes home. The older brother's reaction is, why is he having a party? He doesn't deserve that. Where's my Party is what he thinks. See, you can be very, very bad and be lost, but you can also be very, very good and be just as lost. The Christian message isn't, isn't only, we've made a mess of our lives. We need to repent because you've been very, very bad. Come back to God. The Christian message is also, you need to repent because you've been very, very good and you think you can impress God by your goodness. And in actual fact, your religion, your attempts to make yourself right with God are only making you more selfish and self-centered and bitter and twisted because you define yourself by what you're not. I'm not like the baddies. I'm good. And church, we can do this all the time. I compare myself to other people around me and I might think, oh, I'd I'd do better. I'm not like them. I don't do that. Whereas actually the Bible's big idea is that you are separated from God. Don't compare yourself to people around you because they're also separated from God. You need to get right with God and there's a big distance between him and all of us, whether we're very, very bad or very, very good. But the tragedy about the, the older brother is not just that he's lost. The tragedy is that he doesn't even realize he's lost. He doesn't even realize he's lost. See, you're never so lost that you can't be found by God. But in the older brother's case, he doesn't even think he's lost. So he's not looking for rescue at all. I don't know if you saw um, Bear Grylls, the, the island recently. I have to get Bear Grylls in as often as I can. The, the TV show, The Island, it was on. Uh, it was this social experiment where, where Bear picked some, some guys and some girls to go on these separate islands and try and survive just off the land for however long it was, four weeks, I think. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but in the first few days of the girls being on the island, they separated themselves in, in half as a group, and one group went to find the beach. They found the beach, great. And then they went to go and tell the other group, we found the beach, and they got lost in a jungle with very little water, in like 80 degree heat or whatever it was. They got lost, but for at least the first day, they didn't even realize they were lost. They were traipsing round and round the jungle, walking for hours on end, only to come back to the point where they started. So after the first day of doing this and arriving back at the coconut beach, as they called it, they arrived back at the beach and thought, oh, we've been walking in a circle all day. Do you know what they did the next day? They just set out again, and they got lost again, and they remained lost because they didn't know they were lost. They trusted themselves. They thought, we can find our way back. I'm sure we can. And after two days of very little water and no food, they were desperate, and they eventually had to kind of take stock and go, we need to do something differently. We need to get help, or we're going to die. When you don't realize you're lost, that's when things are most dangerous. Um, You know what it's like that when the doctor tells you what's wrong with you, in, in many ways, that's helpful. Oh, it's, it's always helpful, but in many ways, it's good news, no matter what the news is, because you know, oh, at least I know what's wrong with me now. I don't have to kid myself. I'm not living in ignorance anymore. Actually, some of the worst things that can be wrong with us, you can't see. 
you can go through your life never aware that under the surface of the skin there's some disease and you need someone to point it out for you. See, the worst thing is to be lost and to not realize you're lost. In the older brother's case, he was lost and he didn't know it. In many of your cases, you might well be lost and not even know it. Are you trying to please God by being very, very good? Are you trying to make life work for yourself by being very, very bad and doing whatever you want? Both need attention and both are addressed in this story. The final character, very briefly. Um, we talked about the younger son, the older son. The final character is the man, the father, who represents God for us in the story. What we see about this father is two things, really. Number one, he receives home his lost younger brother. And number two, he absorbs the shame caused to him by his younger brother, by his younger son. The older brother didn't go get him. The younger son wished him dead. What did he do when he saw him at the gate? When he saw him at the gate, this scoundrel who had made his life hell, this scoundrel who had spent his inheritance money, this scoundrel who would just kind of marred the family name and treated him as muck, this scoundrel, what did he do? He chased him down and beat him and punished him. No, he didn't. He ran to greet him. Damn, my son! He was lost! He's back! He runs out to greet him. He shames himself in public. He doesn't care who's watching. He sprints to go and see this son, gives him a big hug, puts a robe on him, kills a goat, has a party, celebrates for him. Why? Because he loves him. He receives him home. It doesn't matter how lost you are. You're never so lost that you can't be found by God. And he's, he's always willing to receive you home. So he absorbs the shame of his younger son, but he also absorbs the shame of the older son as well. The older son working in the field, working to please my father. Well, he's trying to please his father. He's being faithful to his father, but it's clear that he doesn't really love his father. He doesn't want his father. He wants his father's stuff. At the end, he says, you've never given me anything, as if to say, that's all I've done it for. I want you to give me a party. Give me a goat so I can celebrate with my friends. He doesn't, the older son doesn't love his dad, and his dad wants the relationship with him. The older son stays out in the field. He sends a servant. What's that noise I can hear? Sounds like a party. Doesn't even go check it out for himself. Sends a servant. I'm going to stay out here. It's clearly not a party for me. Why should I go in? shames his father again. His father is throwing a party, inviting the neighborhood to come and rejoice that this son that they've given up for dead is home. And the older brother says, I'm not going in. I'm not going in. So how does the father treat him? He goes out to meet him. Again, he bears the shame upon himself. And he says to him, please come in. He pleads with him. It would have been enough. If I was in the father's shoes, if many of you were in the father's shoes, you'd have said, why is your brother not coming in? Oh, leave him out there then. Fine, he'll miss the party. But he doesn't. He goes out to meet him and says, please come in. Your brother is home. He pleads with him. He says, I love you. I don't care about what you do. I know you work hard. I'm grateful for that. But that's not the point. The point is your brother's home. We're a family again. He's willing to bear the shame upon himself and plead with him so that he would come home. We don't know how the older brother responded. The story stops. But what we do know 
is that you're never so lost in life that you can't be found by God. Whether you're really, really bad, just doing whatever you want, or whether you're really, really good and religious, you could be religious and go to church every day your whole life and still be lost. I serve God. I work hard for God. God, God owes me. But the father wanted his older son to love him, not to work for him. God wants your affection, wants you to know him, wants you to love him. And he's willing to plead with you. He's willing to come out and meet you outside of the party and do whatever it can take. In actual fact, he did do whatever it would take, didn't he? Because this is a story about two sons, but we know of another son, the true older brother, who didn't just leave us, his younger, younger brother, to squander our lives away and waste them. No, this older brother, Jesus, bore our shame, went out to meet us. The older brother, if you like, in heaven with his father, came to find us on the earth, lived a perfect life that we could never have lived. No matter how good you are, you can never live it. Jesus lived it for you. So that all the things that you've done wrong, all of the times that you've shamed God and shamed your family and shamed yourself, so that he would absorb that shame upon himself. The true older brother, the perfect older brother who loves you and who died on the cross for you. So that whether you're very, very bad or very, very good, the message would be the same. You're never so lost that you can't be found by God. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go and celebrate with some people who are getting baptized. But what a wonderful God we have who would love us like this, who would send his son into this world to die a death on our behalf in our place for our sin. The God who doesn't just give us up for dead, but pleads with us, come, be reconciled. Let's be friends. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that this story is just a picture of what you're like. And as a picture, it's quite powerful. But, but the reality is much more so than that. Much stronger, much greater. You love us much more passionately, even than the Father in that story. Thank you for that. Thank you for the lives today that have said, God has forgiven me and he's changed me and is changing me. Thank you for that. Thank you that we get to celebrate And I pray, Father, for anyone sitting here who might just have questions and a spark of interest in some of this stuff. I pray for them, Father, that you would continue to be their shepherd, as Sabine said, that you would shepherd them and plead with them to come home to know you. Amen.